In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Braves report is back, but baseball certainly is not. We're not going to be able to play the first two series of the regular season, and those games are officially canceled. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves report, brought to you by Kroger. And if you're just joining us, well, there is no breaking news. Spring training has not started yet. So how long do we have until we get there, and how do we feel about the Braves when they do get to defend their title? I'm Jay Black with... AJC columnist Mark Bradley and our sports business journalist Tim Tucker. And we apologize for the long hiatus of the Braves report. I promise it will never happen again. But if you are listening to us for the first time or just haven't gotten around to it yet, please follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. We'll dig into some of the Braves talk here shortly. But uh, first, we do have to start out with where the lockout stands. And Mark, the optimistic side of me was really hoping baseball was not this stupid. But I blame myself. I really should know better. Yeah, you probably should. You know, I I think that the fact that the owners locked out the players or the exact moment that the collective bargaining agreement uh, lapsed is an indication that they'd been pointing toward this for some time. And I I think the players felt like, well, if they're going to do that, then we don't owe any uh, great loyalty to them to come running back to play. So, I, I, you know, I think both sides were probably thought, well, we need to do this every so often, and now this is the time we're going to do it, meaning, meaning not play. You had a very nice analogy in your column. There. Oh, the, the Godfather thing, yeah, where uh, Clemenza says to uh, Michael, uh, these sort of things need to happen every five years. It gets the bad blood out or something. So it's it's been almost what how long it's been twenty five or so years in baseball so, you know that's pretty good by baseball standards. Tim, do you think uh, do you think they got the bad blood out? Uh, in- I think there was a lot of bad blood this week. It sounds like on Tuesday <laughs> particularly. Uh, so I you know once once the owners locked the players out, December second, there was no doubt in my mind we would be at this point because. There's no leverage between December 2nd and opening day. Basically, no one loses any, loses any money during that time. Players aren't paid during the offseason or even during spring training. Owners don't really lose any money in spring training, probably don't lose a whole lot in April. Aside from opening day, in most places, April is not a big attendance month. So, I mean, I, I think if you just look at it from the standpoint of what event is out there that might change the approach of either or both sides at the at the bargaining table, you might still be a few weeks away from that. Here's what Rob Manfred and Union Chief Tony Clark had to say. We made a proposal this afternoon. Um, I believe, without exception, every topic we have made the last proposal. Every single issue in the basic agreement, we have made the last proposal. You draw your own conclusion as to who ought to go next. We are seeking improvements to our CBA because significant improvements are needed. We've made no mistake about that fact over the course of the last three or four years based on what we've seen on the field and off the field. It's against that backdrop of growing revenues and record profits for owners in the league 
that players seek and deserve nothing more than fundamental fairness. Players want to play. We, we all know that. But the reason we're not playing is simple. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. So, Tim, what happens next from here? Well, I think they uh, probably in the next few days they'll get back to the table and give it another try. And uh, it would appear that the about half the issues have kind of been worked through, at least to the point they're close enough to reach an agreement pretty easily. The um, the luxury tax is still a, is still a big issue. Um, gaps narrowed, but the uh, question, I think, is whether the owners are going to go much higher than the 220 luxury tax threshold where they were the other day. And the players, I think, were last at 238. You know, it might seem like, well, that's not that big a, not that big a difference, 220 to 238. But the two sides don't see it that way. They see that as a huge difference. If the luxury tax functions as a salary cap, which it, there's a number of teams, including the Braves, who aren't going to go to the luxury tax threshold, whether it's 210 last year's level, 220, 238. It doesn't really matter. They're not, they're not going there. At least they haven't. There's other teams that are just at a fraction of that. So you're really talking about probably, oh, I don't know, six, eight teams that are actually influenced by it who won't go beyond it. And then you have a few teams, Mets, Dodgers, sometimes the Red Sox, often the Red Sox, who are going to go past it no matter what it is probably and pay the tax. Despite all that, it's obviously the biggest reason they didn't get a deal done this week. Once, once they check that one off, then I think the other issues, they're a little part of the minimum salary. I don't think that's that a deal breaker in the end. They're still um, some distance apart on pre-arbitration pool, which is a new thing that they're to fight over. It's a new concept, so naturally uh, there's disagreement over what the numbers should be. And uh, they're pretty far apart on that, but I, I still think the luxury tax threshold is is the main issue. And then there's a lot of things that are just more interesting to to most fans, like, uh, you know, the size of the playoffs. I doubt the owners have completely given up on their 14-team playoff concept, even though I think um, they, they probably will end to go to 12, which is what the union has kind of reluctantly seemed to accept. And then there's some rule changes that might get thrown into this deal as well. We've had to put Mark Bradley on, on the phone now because of a, a faulty Wi-Fi. But, Mark, the, the, the thing that kind of scares me and concerns me about the, the luxury tax situation is while they're like $18 million off in 2022, they're $33 million off in 2026. Yeah, I, you know, and this, this is one of those things that uh, the players see this as a big deal because they're thinking that the average salary, salary in baseball, well, it, it, it's a matter of fact that it has gone down a little bit. It's still four million, and that's because that that owners are willing to pay, still willing to pay big money for the biggest free agents. But they're in doing that, they're also having to try to uh, cut corners on other places. So I think it's more like the the lesser players that are feeling this, and of course that that's they're part of the union too. But you know, it, it, again, it's hard to say that. Uh, our union membership is is badly underpaid when they're still making 4.1 million a year or whatever it is, uh, and that's the average. 
up uh, and, and some are making much much more mark i was a real mere child in 1994 so i don't i don't remember exactly all that went on except i do remember everybody hated tom glavin until he was forgiven for a one hitter in october but yeah right tom became a, a a very good spokesman and a very ardent spokesman for the players union and you know atlanta is not a particularly is not a big union town nor is georgia a big union state and, you know, I, I think a lot of that had to do with geography. If he, if he had been, the, say, the players rep for the Boston Red Sox or the Philadelphia Phillies, his stance might not have been as, as offensive as many around here seem to find it. But to have been part of the, the great Graves, Braves rebirth uh, in 1991 and then to have been part of all those good teams in the interim between 91 and 95, you know, it, it, it was weird uh, that how, how much people came to dislike him. And then he throws uh, eight one-hit innings in game six against the Indians, and all is forgiven. Is it fair to say now that, especially with social media, the players do have more support in the court of public opinion now than in 1994? I, I think they certainly got a bigger megaphone now than they do they did back then because they can, uh, you know, they can uh, talk to the uh, – people via Twitter or Instagram or, I don't know, maybe even TikTok. But, you know, I, I still think that there's sort of an inherent feeling in, in a, even even ardent fans to think that, you know, you're getting paid huge money to, to play a kid's game. Uh, and if I could swap positions with you, I, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. And you probably wouldn't have to pay me $4.1 to do it. And, and that, that's a hurdle that, that all professional athletes in, in, in all sports kind of have to get over. And it, it's not easy to do. It is a gigantic pile of money, and nobody wants to hear billionaires and millionaires fighting over it. And, and Tim, we know it's a gigantic pile of money because the Braves brought in almost $600 million last year. And that, uh, that well-timed statement cannot really be a great negotiating tactic for the owners right now. Yeah, I'm sure that the uh, owner side and even the Braves uh, – regretted the timing of their year-end financial results coming out. They always uh, they always come out in early February, and that's how it fell. But I'm sure there aren't many players out there who haven't been sent a copy of those. You know, what the Braves' uh, financial results do point out, and this is probably the crux of the, of the uh, concern the players have, is their revenue has gone up substantially over the over the last few years 19 percent up just since 2019 the last you know pre-pandemic season and spending on players has not kept pace with the increase in revenue mlb wide in fact as mark pointed out spending on players has gone down a little bit during a period in which certainly pre-pandemic mlb revenues went up sharply so that's you know, if, if there were a salary cap in baseball, the argument would just be over what percentage of baseball revenues do, do the players get under the cap. Well, since there isn't a cap in baseball, there's always this much more convoluted uh, set of negotiations about various rules and mechanisms that are intended to either on one side encourage spending or on the other side discourage spending. So that's, that's kind of where it is but the Braves numbers do point out I mean it's just you just can't argue with the numbers that revenue has gone up in the Braves case uh, much faster than payroll has gone up and while we don't know the numbers on the other 28 U.S. based MLB teams 
I think it's pretty safe to assume that that revenue on virtually all of those teams has been going up as well. Mark, is this all Rob Manfred's fault? Um, no, um, a lot of things are, but I, I, I think he's just, you have to realize he works for the owners. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, the players have their attorneys and union chiefs who work for them. So, it, you know, it, it's, it, this is one of those times when you're reminded that, that Rob Manfred is not necessarily a player, uh, the, the player's best friend, even though he is the commissioner of baseball. He's, uh, he's hired and uh, paid by the owners, and it's uh, his job. He's, he's I guess doing his job and and uh, you know the getting baseball owners to go in the run in the same direction thirty different sets of owners there uh, that's like herding cats so it, it's you know I I I'm not willing to cut cut Rob Manfred a whole lot of slack but I you know I, in in this case you know I I understand I am in the firm belief that in this day and time everything blows over. But baseball does not need any help running people off. Tim, how long does this go before it's a it's a serious sport killer? Well, I think in Atlanta, there's probably more margin for error, if you will, than most places because they are coming off a World Series championship. And I think when they resume, assuming it's not months from now, there'll still be a full house there to watch the World Series banner raised and rings handed out. But I think the lesson from 1994-95 is that people don't always just come running back. Uh, I mean, it took, um, it took a number of years for, um, I mean, you could argue whether baseball ever regained all it lost in 94 when the World Series was canceled. But uh, it certainly took a number of years before um, attendance was back close to where it was. Uh, and I think, without having looked this up recently, I believe the Braves have never gotten back to their 1993 attendance level. So I think uh, I think they're definitely playing with fire. I think there's a – it doesn't seem likely at this point that the season will only lose the first two series, which is where it stands right at this moment. But if it doesn't lose a whole lot more than that, I think it will probably – I think it will probably recover with most fans, certainly in, in a place like Atlanta coming off a championship. But I think if it – I think if it goes a whole lot – longer than that there will be a problem in rebuilding rebuilding fan base and it's and it's even though it has been 27 years since the last work stoppage i think older fans and face it you know the baseball fans skew older anyway yep. have have such a have such a memory of not just 94 95 but the half dozen strikes or lockouts before that and just this history of 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 going through this it just seems so often I mean, it doesn't you know it doesn't seem like it's been 27 years but but it's even that's a little misleading because while they haven't had a work stoppage in 27 years they've certainly had plenty of fights that have become public you know including the one in 2020 over how to resume amid the pandemic and uh, the protocols and um, prorated salaries and all that which uh, was very unseemly at the time all right, the Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. And if I had to guess, there's probably two issues that pretty much everybody listening to this podcast has. One is not enough time. The other, the price of gas getting out of hand. Well, 
your local Kroger store has a solution here. That's becoming a Kroger Boost member. So this is a new level of membership to get you more savings and more benefits, including free delivery on your Kroger groceries. So that could save you a good hour or so there. There's no need to go into the store, no need to stand in line at 6 p.m., and no need to spend any extra money to save that time when you've got much better things to do. Also, and this really gets my attention, Kroger Boost members get two times the fuel points. And if you have not noticed, gas prices are outrageous at this point. So you get to save money, save time, and you get double fuel points. All of this for as little as 59 bucks a year. So go to Kroger.com slash boost to enroll. That is Kroger.com slash boost. Mark, one thing that uh, will come with this uh, CBA whenever it gets finalized is... No more designated hitter. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how disappointed are you that pitchers will not be hitting in the National League anymore? Um, not, not a whole, whole lot. I mean, I, I, I think that we saw with the, the universal DH the, in, the, in the, the, the shortened 2020 season, I, you know, I didn't really miss it. I mean, it, it. It probably made for a little bit more scoring, which you'd figure. Uh, there's no, there won't be any of those moments where, hey, look at that, picture got a hit, yay. But there also won't be the, the 19 other times that those pitchers strike out. I guess if you're Max Freed, you're pretty disappointed. But, you know, I, I don't know that it would go much much yes. further than that. I, I think this was always kind of inevitable. Tim, what's your appetite for uh, a bloated, expanded playoffs? I think 14 is definitely uh, too many, and I'd, I'd probably prefer not to go beyond 10 where it is. Uh, you know, I think um, – 162 games is just a lot of games to play uh, to only eliminate the teams that are below 500, which is what's going to happen uh, <laughs> with a uh, with a 14 team playoff. It might even happen with a 12 team playoff. Yeah, maybe not even yeah. then. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. They'll. I think at a 14 team playoff, you'd have you'd have at least one or two teams below 500 um, getting in every year. And as we all know in baseball, you get in, you know, you might very well be in the World Series. I, I despise it. I, I, to me, that's the problem with the NBA is what's the point of everything until the playoffs? Well, baseball season's twice as long. That's the, that's the beauty of baseball is every game, I mean, it doesn't totally matter, but it kind of does because not half the league makes the playoffs. And just for a money grab, we want to put half the teams in the playoffs, even 12, which is a lot. It's going to happen because it's, it's, it's not about that. But at some point, I, I'm just completely – well, it's definitely much worse in baseball than it is. In the, would be much worse in baseball than in the NBA because of how random baseball is anyway. Yeah, and, and we've seen from the NBA here lately that the 82-game regular season is basically just a, one long exercise in load management for its <laughs> big names. Uh, and, and, you know, with baseball, you've got twice that number of games almost. And, uh, you know, the, I... I, I I can imagine there will be a lot more of the 10-day disabled list uh, stints just to give guys rest. If you you know if you, if you're a team that knows pretty well you're going to be in playing in October, and maybe having to play how many I don't know five series in October, four series in October. Um, yeah, I I I'm not a big fan of this either. I don't know who is, other than the people that uh, that would profit by it, which would be your owners. And this is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. 
experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, welcome back to the Braves Report. That's enough talk about money now. Let's start talking about baseball. Oh, wait, and the guy who's going to make all the money for the Braves, that's Freddie Freeman. Um, Mark, what's going to happen there, and what should happen? Um... You know, I still think he'll come back here or resign with the Braves, but I, I you know, I, I think that the fact that he hasn't already, um, you know, that there's a chance it could go the other uh, the other direction, but I, I, I still don't think it will because I'm not as sh- I'm not sure that the that the people are going to the teams and and owners coming off a lockout are going to be uh, enthused to go out and and give him a six. Uh, your contract, any team, uh, if the Braves aren't willing to do it, and and you know I, the, you know, will the Dodgers do it? I don't know. The Dodgers are, are, are the Dodgers are known for spending money, but Andrew Freeman, Friedman, they're they're basically who runs things out there. Uh, I mean, he made his reputation as a uh, as a great uh, penny pincher in uh, in Tampa, where you don't have the same radio. Uh, uh, revenue stream you have in Los Angeles. So <clears throat> I don't know. It, it we think that there there might be a big line for Freeman Services, but I'm not sure that line is going to be as long as people think. But Tim, all it takes is one. Yeah, it, I don't think it will be a long line because there just isn't a long line of teams uh, that spend at that level, and certainly if it requires going over the luxury tax to do so, which at this point in the calendar for most big spending teams that would push you over the luxury tax threshold depending on exactly where it's set so I, I don't think there'll be many teams that might only be one might be two but as you said that's you know that's all it takes if you have one or two uh willing to go six years and the Braves are not then Freddie has to make a decision you know how important is that sixth year versus being a career brave the deal could have been done by now. I mean, obviously, both sides said all the right things last season, which were uh, Braves want to keep him, Freddie wants to stay. But obviously, if the reason the deal didn't get done, you have to assume, is that they couldn't agree on – yeah, maybe they both had the same objective, but they couldn't agree on the number that got them there. You know, if that remains the case, and it did all of last year, then if another team comes in – does meet the number that he has in mind? Does he continue to to be pulled toward remaining a brave for life, or does he take that offer that he'd been looking for? And I think it's I think it's pretty much up in the air. Mark, would you give him six years? You know, your heart says yes, but sometimes your head would say no because you you realize that what you're talking about here is it's you know you you have a pretty good idea what Freddie Freeman's going to look like the first two or three years of this contract. He'll be a lot like he is right now. But the last the last two years of that contract, are, he may not look the same. He may, not, he may be a full-time DH by then. And do you want to pay, pay a full-time DH uh, a salary that maybe you wouldn't want to give to a DH at that point? Um, I, 
you know, I, I, I understand that it, that it's that the Braves are going to be criticized hugely if Freeman does go uh, does leave. But I, I also realize that the, you know, they're Alex Anthopoulos is a pretty smart guy, and I and I think that that he he's having to weigh how much do we owe Freeman uh, against how much do, will we regret giving Freeman uh, uh, a sixth year if, in fact, we do. I'm trying to think of contracts where anybody enjoyed the sixth year of the person they paid when they got to be 38 years old. There, there aren't many. Uh, Miggy has not aged well. I see this um, like Albert Pujols. He was never going to leave the Cardinals. And then he did leave the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, he's the case study. Pujols is like uh, Exhibit A on this, and and Miguel Cabrera is is Exhibit B because you know th- there are a lot of contracts for first basemen that that when you look back on them you think what what, what were those teams thinking there and you know I, and and you say well it's different with Freddie Freeman because he's he's brave and he's won the World Series but you know Albert Pujols was was the greatest hitter of the of the first decade of this century, and he wasn't the greatest hitter of the second decade of this century. Dan, would you pull the trigger? Um, I think it's a – I agree with Mark. I think it's a complicated uh, decision uh, because of his age. You know, it's like right at that spot that makes – you know, if he was t- if it was two years ago, I don't think it's a difficult decision at all. But the question is, what's more important to you, to have – Freddie Freeman the next three or four years, even if that means paying him when his performance may very well be in decline for two more beyond that, or to avoid that risk at the back end by not having him the next three or four years. I I really think you do have to know exactly what the numbers are, which we don't. Uh, I I, I don't think by any means, yeah, you, you, I I would not say, yeah, you got to resign Freddie Freeman no matter what, the term, no matter what the dollars, I, I don't think that's the case because you can, de- particularly a team like the Braves, which do not have an unlimited payroll budget. Never, you know, they've never shown that. So whatever they do, is going to have repercussions if not this year and future years in what they're able to do, who they're able to keep, who they're able to go after. Certainly, I would want to keep him if at all possible, but I do think that you have to you 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 have to weigh knowing what their future payrolls are going to be, what the numbers are going to be. You know, maybe a six-year deal, average annual value is less than a five-year deal would be. You know, maybe you're not paying the $30 million in the sixth year. So, I mean, so it's, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of details that, that we don't know. Big picture, I think it would be, uh, it would be a real shame coming off a World Series championship not to keep the guy who was here before, before the, rebuild throughout the rebuild and and when they came out on the other side of it for alex anthopolis this is almost like if if i were advising him a 30 million dollar insurance policy for his fan base not burning down the stadium um coming off the heels of the world series now a lockout and then the most popular player in atlanta may leave i think the lockout while it may be putting more people's mouths in Freddie's ear to leave, even though technically you're not supposed to do that. I, I think it's making it very, very tough for the Braves to let him go. 
But one thing we do know is that there will be a DH, as we mentioned, in the National League, which is going to help Alex Anthopoulos sign all the 50 outfielders that he's got to figure out how to bring back. Uh, Mark, which of that bunch uh, do you think will return in 2022? Well, they've already they've already said Duvall's going to be back because they they extended the contract to him. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Solaire has had bigger years than uh, Rosario, even though Rosario's had some good ones too. I don't know. That that's a tough one. I I, I would probably say Rosario, since because because he kept, pretty much was the star of the the whole postseason in many ways. But you know. I, I, I don't know. He his his value may have gone up an awful lot, uh, but Soler was MVP of the World Series, so his value may have gone up too. Uh, I, I, I this is another thing that you know comes down to money. I mean, there was a reason those guys were made available last year at the trade deadline, is that the teams that had them did not regard them as indispensable. And now you know I I don't know that the Braves will will look at either and say. Uh, you know, we can't live without without them because they basically got here because the Braves ran out of outfielders last year in a way that almost nobody ever does. But with the DH, uh, with the DH coming in. That's a big thing, yeah. Azuna may be the DH, but you're going to need at least one of those guys or someone like them. You know, you're going to either need to resign one of those guys or bring in a similar type offensive player. So I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if once once they can do business again, they make an offer to both of them, maybe a pretty similar offer, and uh, first one that takes it is the guy that comes back. Yeah, Mark, by the way, Marcelo Zuna is back on the roster, and I mean, even back last summer, it seemed almost impossible he would ever play for the Braves again, but am I, am I reading the room right here that maybe some of the nuclear fallout from that is uh, getting washed away? Well, two two investigations have, have, have been done. Uh, the the police investigation, uh, which saw the the felony charge dropped, uh, I believe, to a misdemeanor, and he is now Ozuna is now in a uh, pre or at least entered a pretrial diversion program. So then, Major League Baseball uh, did its investigation, and it suspended him for basically for 24 games he had already missed from last season. So when 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 that happened, the Braves said that um, they, they issued a statement saying, quote, any instance of domestic violence, violence is unacceptable and we fully support the decisions by the commissioner's office regarding Marcel. We are encouraged to know that Marcel has accepted full responsibility for his actions and is taking the necessary measures to learn and grow from the situation. They did not say, uh, we look forward to having him, him on our, our team next year. Um, but as, we, as it stands, he's on the roster. He has, he's under contract for three more years. And to date, they have given no indication that, uh, that he will not be on the roster uh, when the season does begin. All right, so that is where we will leave it for the end of hiatus episode of the Braves Report podcast. We do want to remind you real quick that the reason we can make this show free to everybody is because subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is what powers our journalism, in-depth reporting that you will not find anywhere else. We have the experts and authorities on every subject in Atlanta, all in the same place at AJC.com and in your newspaper. So if you want to join the community, please go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. I mean, Tim, you and Mark are worth at least a buck a month to try, right? <laughs> I think Tim's definitely worth a dollar. I don't know about me. 
Yeah. Well, we're going to meet another part of the team who hopefully is worth uh, paying for as well next week. Our new AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, will be uh, joining us from down in Florida at Braves Minor League Camp. There is minor league camp going on, so we're going to have a Braves report from there next week, and we will introduce you to him. So until then, it's good to be back. Please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to help us grow the show, and we will see you next week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.